Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Everything is beautiful on this rainy Monday morning in Charm City. They dominated a team that they should have dominated. He is a genuine zone coverage killer. We're going to change the faces in the wide receiver room. We're going to try to get playmakers in here. Many people were questioning, did they get the right guys? That was really the only phase that did not click for the entire team. Every year, it seems like a couple of young defenders kind of emerge. We're going to find out who the Ravens really are. All right, welcome into another edition of Take It to the Bank. We're in our special preview episode. The Ravens play Thursday night. That is tonight against the Cincinnati Bengals in their first divisional game of the year. They're coming off of their monster win against the Buffalo Bills, 47-3. And this is a big game. Me and my co-host, Vasily Loricos, welcome by the way. We've talked a lot about how this might be a really big test for the Bengals. We talk about that. We preview some matchups. I give you kind of my scouting report of the Bengals, and then we give our predictions at the end, so definitely stay tuned for that. But what's going on, Vasily? Everything's good. Can't wait for this game to kick off. It's It might be a little odd to say in week two, but this could be a pivotal game for this entire season. Oh, we're already saying this is a statement game? I think it is. I mean, winner's going to be in first place in the division. You pick up a road win within the division, the Ravens are sitting pretty. I definitely agree. I don't know if it's in terms of that, like much of a statement win in that sense, but I think it is going to be a big test of who this team really is. And we'll kind of get into the matchups in a little bit later, but this, I mean, the Bills, like we said, are like a JV football team. This is an actual NFL football team, and they have a lot of talent on both the defensive and offensive side of the ball. And this is really going to test both units for the Ravens. It's going to let us know, is this defense really a top 10, top 5 unit? And is this rebuild offense actually for real, or did they just beat up on a weaker opponent? Absolutely. The Bengals have given the Ravens a, a lot of trouble in recent years. They've actually won seven of the last nine meetings including five of the last six at home, the Bengals have, and they're 14-8 and eight all time when hosting the Ravens. But on the other hand, the Ravens are 2-0 and on Thursday night and 10-5 and since 2016 when the point spread is within a field goal either way. Yeah, under John Harbaugh, uh, the Ravens, I, I believe, are 7-2 and on Thursday night games, which is pretty impressive for, for him. He's pretty good in primetime. I don't know what he does, what he puts in the water, but – the Ravens seemingly are always ready for primetime games, and especially against the Bengals in Cincinnati, it's kind of a scary matchup. Uh, Paul Brown Stadium becomes scary world for them a little bit. You know, I, I know they've struggled in years past, but last year they they kind of broke the de- they kind of broke free from the demons. You know, they won. They they were able to beat them twenty to nothing. But I don't think it's going to be like that this week. No, the Ravens have struggled on the road recently. Um, six and nine is their road record. Uh, in the recent recent two last two seasons, um, so yeah, it's definitely a challenge. The Bengals have some some good matchups, some really good players. 
Yeah, so let's, let's kind of get into those matchups. Let's start with the when the Ravens have the ball. So on the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens. And Cincinnati's defense, I know they let up 23 points, but opportunistic defense. They, they, they were very good against the Colts, I thought. They tightened up, especially in the second half. And we talked about before the show, and I guess I'll start with him, Jesse Bates, the rookie rookie safety from Wake Forest. He's now a starter, and we both said that this was might have been the greatest pick for them, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, he's a ball hawk. He's a ball hawk. He's got a lot of range, and Joe Flacco traditionally has struggled against Cincinnati probably more than any other team in the entire league. He actually has a negative touchdown-to-interception ratio against Cincinnati, and they're going to play a lot of zone coverage, I expect, and he better be careful going into Bates' zone because that could be a turnover. Yeah, they ran a lot of when – I, when I went back to look at the games, the Bengals ran a lot of quarters, quarters, halves coverages. And that, what that kind of does – and the way to beat it, I guess you could say, is you want to attack the seams because that's the really biggest thing. And it also kind of stresses the flats. So it kind of forces teams – it's kind of similar to a cover three coverage where you want to attack the flats, seams – the flats and the seams or the hook and curls. But the thing is – is the Ravens showed on uh, on Sunday against the Bills, they can do that. They're kind of flexible in their offense, but that was against, a, like I said, a far worse defense. But what are they going to do? How is Joe Flacco going to react? Because he's going to get pressured. Because James Hurst showed me against the Bills that he's not that good of a tackle. I already knew that. And Ronnie Stanley, like we both mentioned, struggled a little bit against Jerry Hughes. And I think Jerry Hughes wouldn't even start on this Bengals team, especially on their front line. It's going to be a challenge. Hurst, I think he's in for a long day against Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap has played very well against the Ravens. I think he has sacks in three of the last four games. Um, Yeah, they're going to have to chip, I think, pretty much the entire game. They can't really slide protection away from Geno Atkins, who, as we know, can beat even Marshall Yonda one-on-one. So I think this is a game where they're going to have to use the short passing game and in the seam, it's going to be a lot of targets for Willie Sneed. And in the flat, I'm actually expecting a big game from Buck Allen. I think Buck is going to find some space against their linebackers, and he can really help keep move the chains and keep the offense on schedule. Yeah, the one thing I will say, it seems like tight ends can kind of create uh, some sort of mismatch against the Bengals' defense, especially without Vontez Perfect. They're very that, that, that's kind of their biggest weakness that I kind of noted. Jack Doyle had seven receptions for 60 yards against them last week off of 10 targets. So the Ravens got to find a way to scheme up matchups, maybe for Mark Andrews, Max Williams, even Nick Boyle, whichever one you, you kind of want to choose. I, I would probably choose Max Williams out of those three or Mark Andrews, but pick those guys and try to create matchups with linebackers and kind of let it go or create the matchups with, with Buck Allen and the linebacker. That's kind of what Marty Morningwick probably should be keying in on is how do you scheme up those matchups especially in the rare times that they run man coverage and you have to make them pay for it. For sure. I mean, I think the quick passing game like they used last week against Buffalo is going to be their best option. They're not going to have time in the pocket to sit back there and take a bunch of deep shots to John Brown or Chris Moore or anybody like that. Yeah, I'm pretty worried about Matt Skura. Matt Skura looked decent against the Bills. I didn't think that it was as bad as I was expecting. I thought he surprised me a little bit. But still, I think that this is going to be a disastrous matchup for Skura. And I wouldn't be surprised if Skura gets pulled at some point during this game. It's going to be hard hard going in the inside running for Alex Collins. I think the Ravens are going to have to use a pass-first scheme. A lot of people don't want to hear that. They think that Flacco needs support from the ground game. But if it's not working, it's not working. And if you look across that line, Cincinnati has a lot of players that can get into the backfield. I mean, listen, if Joe Flacco is as accurate and as, as smart 
as he was last week against Buffalo, then this, in this matchup, I don't think you, it really matters. I think you can throw it 40-plus times. If he, if he is that good, you can throw it 40-plus times and still win a football game. Sure, and they're going to have to, I think. Crabtree, I'm not expecting a great game from him. William Jackson's one of the top cornerbacks in the entire league. And John Brown, I'm not sure how much time they're going to have to find him. So I really think this is a Willie Sneed, Buck Allen, and maybe Mark Andrews. We're going to have to rely upon those three to get to keep the offense moving. Yeah, I think the keys offensively, obviously, like we said, we're just kind of wrapping everything up. The keys are certainly you have to find ways to create mismatches with their linebackers because I think their linebackers aren't very good in coverage, especially with Preston Brown. I know he had an interception, but based on the tape I saw from him, it's not too great. Um, you definitely have to find ways. I, I would avoid William Jackson at all costs. I think he's going to shut down whoever he plays. Very good corner. I think he matches up well with all of Baltimore's wide receivers. And you're going to have to... You're going to have to chip as well with the tight ends, like you mentioned. And I think, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe you have to keep a running back home as well on pass block, but Skura is certainly going to need help as well. Or Yanda can do it too, but I think that's a tough task to ask, obviously. But switching to the defensive side of the ball, what are you kind of looking for for the Ravens? How do they stop this offense? So Cincinnati has quite a few playmakers on the offensive side, namely A.J. Green, who has traditionally been a Ravens killer throughout his career and I think that uh, Marlon Humphrey is going to be called upon to mark him some may say that uh, the Ravens would be better off putting Humphrey on Ross the faster receiver but I think if you can put Humphrey on green and this is going to be a coming out game for him the Ravens are looking for Marlon to take over for Jimmy Smith as the top corner and next year the following year this is a huge test for Marlon. Is it really a huge test though? Because I mean, week 14 last year, he kind of shut down Antonio Brown. Well, AJ Green's a different style receiver. He, and AJ Green's a better downfield threat in my mind. He's a bigger target and he makes Antonio Brown's, uh, you know, he can do a little bit of everything and he's quicker, but Green's definitely bigger. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how this matchup works out because AJ Green, obviously, like you mentioned, is a different style kind of receiver. He's, not, he's pretty fast as well, but he's more of a body control, body positioning kind of receiver. And what I mean by that is he's going to run a pretty solid route, create some separation, but he's so good at kind of forcing the defender to take a wrong angle, and he's just going to box you out pretty much and jump up and grab the ball over you. And I'm curious, how is Humphrey going to do that? Because Humphrey's biggest weakness that we noted out of college was he can't really track the ball that well. And now he's improved with it a lot. And he's come a long way with that since since joining the Ravens in 2017. But I still think that it's an area that he needs to improve upon in order to be that next level top tier uh, cornerback. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how often the Ravens match him up with Green or if they kind of just let it go and whatever side he matches up with, they'll let it go. But I think, I think Carr against Green is a nightmare. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Carr is a physical corner and Green... He is a little bit soft. I I think if you if you jam him and get a couple good hits on him, he do, he has folded in the past. So I don't think it's a terrible matchup. But if it was me, I would shadow Green with Humphrey, and then then you have the safeties can help out on Ross, and especially the tight end Tyler Eifert, who who could be in store for a big game. I expect coordinator Martindale is going to stack the box with excess. Uh, front seven defenders in an effort to slow down Joe Mixon, who had a breakout 150-yard total yards game last week. 
And I think Mosley's going to be able to do uh, a pretty good job on him, but that is going to leave the Ravens a little thin on the back end defending those pass catchers. Well, that's kind of the dilemma. Do you sell out to stop the run, or do you sell out to stop A.J. Green? If it were me... I wouldn't stack the box. I, I would sell out, I would sell out to try to stop AJ Green, John Rawls, Tyler Eifert, even Tyler Croft for that matter. I would see I, I would trust that Baltimore's front seven or, or front seven, specifically their defensive line, can generate pressure. And I, I don't like Cincinnati's offensive line. I think that that's their biggest weakness. And I think that the Ravens, especially on the right on Cincinnati's right side, Baltimore's left, whatever, I think they can generate enough pressure to kind of stop Joe Mixon because they the offensive line didn't look that great against the Colts. And you have to remember the Colts really aren't that strong on the defensive line. So I, I actually disagree with that mentality. I definitely concur that right side for Cincinnati is a weakness in particular, that right tackle Bobby Hart. I think Matt Judon, can definitely beat him with his strength and his motor, Timmy Williams. And then in obvious passing situations, they can switch Terrell Suggs onto him. Uh, and I think that's definitely the way to attack this team, rattle Dalton and, and get some good hits on the quarterback off that right side. Well, I think that's the biggest key is you have to apply pressure to Dalton. The Ravens have obviously beaten the Bengals before. They've beaten the Andy Dalton-led Bengals. They know what to do. Every time that they win, you look at it, they get double di- or they get multiple sacks on Dalton. They're always in his face, and that's the key. And I know that that kind of sounds stupid because it's like, yeah, if you pressure any quarterback, but Dalton really struggles under pressure. He's not very mobile. He's not very good in that sense, and when he's pressured, uh, so I think the Ravens have to find ways to create pressure, whether that's stunts on the right side, whether that's sending extra guys. Whatever you have to do, Dalton cannot sit pretty in the back, sit pretty in, in, in the pocket. For sure, for sure. You don't want to let Dalton get into a rhythm. And they, they definitely have some guys that can burn the Ravens downfield. But personally, I would sell out to stop the run and then get to the quarterback on your way there if you're, if you're run blitzing and it's a passing play. Um, so it's going to be a tough game. I, I really think the battle is going to be won in the trenches on both sides of the ball and the middle of the field. The passing game, both teams are going to use that to to try to do something against these defenses. So now let me ask you this real quick, because both of us, we did our schedule preview, and both of us kind of said that the Bengals, we didn't really know what to expect from them, because both of us said that, yeah, they, they could be pretty good this year. They could be like an 8-10 to 10 win team, but then we could also see them be a 4-5 to five win team. At least that's what I said. Did that change at all after watching their week one game, or do you think it's the same? I was a little higher on the Bengals than you. I thought their floor was maybe six. I really feel like they kind of have a similar trajectory as the Ravens. They could be a 10-win team or a six-win team, and both teams are kind of evenly matched in that regard. But it was impressive to see them have a comeback comeback win in Indy on the road. Um, and it's a short week, as we know. Divisional game on a short week on the road it's not a particularly strong matchup for the Ravens. Absolutely. They forced two turnovers against the Colts, including that kind of game-sealing turnover at the end. But my other question, I don't want to look too far forward, but I do want to ask you, the Ravens have Denver, the Denver Broncos after this game. Long week. Um, did the Broncos, did their, your opinion of them change after their win in week one? Uh, Keenum was a little bit better than I expected. Uh, that rookie, the rookie receiver Sutton got a little bit involved. I wouldn't say my opinion changed. I still think that defense is not what it was. Um, so we'll see. Let's take it one game at a time here. But I, I'm not scared of the Broncos at this point. You should be. Uh, let's give our final predictions for this game. What are you thinking? What do you got? Well, let me give a couple 
player predictions first before my score prediction. I think C.J. Mosley is going to hold Mixon under 75 all-purpose yards. Um, and I think Buck Allen's going to beat him in total yardage, actually. This is going to be Buck Allen breakout game. I think Tyler Eifert's going to catch 10 passes. Um, and then on the other side, James Hurst is going to allow three sacks. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see Orlando Brown sooner rather than later. But the final score prediction, I'm going to go Bengals 23, Ravens 20. They make a play late in the fourth quarter to get the to get the win at home. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be a boring game to watch. I think we're going to be pissed off watching the game. But I think I think Joe Flacco is going to struggle a lot because the offensive line is not going to be great. I think that they're going to the Bengals and the Ravens are going to combine together to have ten sacks total. I think in one way or the other, I think the Ravens gets five or six, and I think the Bengals get four or five, and I think Geno Atkins is going to have a huge game where he might have two himself. Our offensive line's really going to be a weakness in this one. I think the Ravens wide receivers, specifically the big three, are going to struggle too against this pretty good secondary. I'm going to say the Ravens win 13-10. Very good. Should be entertaining. Good old AFC North slobberknocker. Um, so around the NFL, a couple other intriguing games on the Week 2 slate. Let's begin with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, arch rivals hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Um I think the Steelers' offense is going to get back on track, but I also think Kansas City is going to put up a lot of points. Who do you got in that one? I think the Steelers are going to win this game. I think I think they're pretty pissed off that they tied to Cleveland. I think they're going to come back. I think Big Ben and, and Antonio Brown and the rest of that group is going to have an offensive explosion. I think the Chiefs' defense showed that they're kind of vulnerable, and I, I, I but I don't think that it's going to be a, a blowout because I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to drop some points on them. I think the Seahawks are going to win slightly, but it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Yeah, I definitely take the over with that one, but I'm with you. I think Pittsburgh pulls it off. And then the Cleveland Browns, the other AFC North foe, are traveling to New Orleans, who who are presumably ready to do something after their very surprising week one loss. Uh, I think the Saints are going to throttle the Browns. Unfortunately, I do agree with you. I think that the Saints... I don't know if they just weren't ready. They underestimated Ryan Fitzmagic. I don't know what, what was the deal was with that, but one way or the other, they lost that game, and they shouldn't have lost, and they, they should have came out. They should be 1-0 right now, but they found a way to lose that game, and they got throttled. So I, I certainly agree. I think the Browns are going to be in over their head in this one. I think the Saints are going to come out come out with the dub. Yeah, I, I the Saints, I think the defense might be a little bit overrated. They might have overachieved – just a little bit last year, but they just have too much offensive firepower. I wouldn't be surprised to see Baker Mayfield replace Tyrod Taylor sometime in the second half of this one. And then the final game, all eyes are going to be on the AFC Conference Championship game rematch when New England travels to Jacksonville. Jacksonville? You like you like Jacksonville in this game? No, I'm, I have to pick New England just because Bortles... I don't think he does enough, and and I think Brady's against that elite defense is going to dink and dunk and do just enough to pull out a close, low-scoring win. See, I'm actually on the other side of this one. I think that that when teams play the Patriots, especially when they lose to them in the playoffs and then they play them in the next regular season, 
They circled it on their calendar. It's like their Super Bowl. To so the Patriots, they could give a crap that they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Jaguars, everyone else in there, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette, all those guys, I, I think maybe even Bortles, they're pissed off that they blew a, a lead and Doug Marone got too conservative in the AFC Championship game. Otherwise, they would be in the Super Bowl. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars win this game. I think we've seen this before from New England. And, and I, I just think that, I think they're going to lose this one. I, I really, I'm really pulling for Jacksonville. I think that Blake Bortles is going to do just enough to get them to win. Should be a good game. Any other uh, week two matchups you're excited about? I'm excited to see my boy Aaron Rodgers play the Minnesota Vikings. Kind of a revenge game, right? Because he got hurt against them last year. Anthony Barr even said this is just another game. I don't care who it is, but... I don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go off on this defense. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little salty that he got hurt, didn't like the hit, and and he showed you last week against the Bears that you can't stop him. Like no matter what, you, you could hurt him, you could do what you want. He's going to come out and play. I think the I think the Packers are going to win this one big. I really like this Packers team, and I think that I, I did pick them to win the Super Bowl. But I do want to mention. I didn't really think this defense would be as good as it was last week. I know they allowed twenty three points or something like that, but. You have to look at what they got from their rookie corners. I mean, Jair Alexander did pretty good. Josh Jackson did pretty good. I mean, this is a defense that is finally finding its rhythm, specifically in the secondary. And I really like the Green Bay Packers this year because of that. And when you have Aaron Rodgers, it's hard to bet against them. Definitely like the Packers' young secondary. Um, However, I'm not sure Rodgers is even going to play in this one. He did suffer a sprained knee against the Bears on Sunday night. And if I was Mike McCarthy, Green Bay head coach, I might consider sitting Rodgers in this game and, and just give him, give Minnesota the game and get Rodgers healthy. And I, I still think that Minnesota defense is, is a very strong group, probably second best in the league behind Jacksonville overall. Um, so I think Minnesota actually handles this one rather easily. You think they're just going to give a divisional rival a game, a division win? Well, if the, if the quarterback, if he's legitimately hurt and, and he could foreseeably be hurt again against that fierce pass rush, especially with limited mobility, it might be better to play it cautious. I don't know about that. I think this is a really important game, and I know that it's we only week two, but this game could decide the division. I mean, this is a I mean, just like the Ravens and the Bengals game, I mean, it could have playoff implications and division crown implications, so... I'm not so sure about that. The other game I want to talk about briefly is this Atlanta Falcons game. Falcons are hosting the Carolina Panthers, and the Panthers beat the Dallas Cowboys, I think 16-8 to or something like that. And the Falcons are coming off that week one loss to the Eagles. I'm curious to see this offense. What is Steve Sarkeesian doing? I don't understand it. Um, you have Julio Jones. You have uh, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley. You have a pretty good offensive line. You have a... You have an upper echelon quarterback. How the hell can you not have a top five offense every year? How the hell can you not scheme up plays, especially in the red zone, to get things things done? What are you doing running jet sweeps when you have Julio Jones? Like, it's just, it's it's baffling how bad this offense was that night. And I'm curious to see how they bounce back. For sure. I, uh, I think Carolina is going to win this one, and I don't think they're necessarily the better team. But Matt Ryan looked terrible in the season opener. And also worth noting, Atlanta's starting to rack up some injuries. They placed their Pro Bowl linebacker, Deion Jones, on injured reserve. And their safety, Keanu Neal, is also on injured reserve. That really gut, starting to gut that middle of that defense. And with Carolina power rushing attack, 
I think they're going to be able to control the clock. And I also think that that Atlanta game later on the season when the Ravens play starting to look a little bit more winnable in my eyes. Yeah, I agree. Definitely the injuries to Neil and Jones kind of changes my outlook of that game as well. But let's not get too far ahead, as you said. And the last game I want to touch on real quick is I want to get your thoughts on this. The Seattle Seahawks and the Chicago Bears on Monday night. The Bears lost against the Packers, as we mentioned, but it was Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. But that defense looked pretty fierce. They're going against the Seattle Seahawks that lost in week one, didn't look too great. I know that they almost won, but kind of not just not a lot of talent there. They don't. Luckily, they have the magician, Russell Wilson, at quarterback. Doug Baldwin's hurt, so Tyler Lockett's really their top receiver at this point. We know that offensive line isn't great, and the defense outside of Earl Thomas and their inside linebacker, Bobby Wagner, they don't have a whole lot of pieces there, and I like what Chicago's done a lot with their roster. I think adding Khalil Mack to an already pretty darn good defensive group um, really helps that team out a lot. I I think Chicago gets it done. Okay, and the last thing we're going to talk about is college football preview. As we mentioned, we are going to be your go-to draft guys. we already been starting scouting and kind of figuring out who the Ravens should or shouldn't target, things like that. What are some games and some guys that you're looking for this week? First one's going to be LSU at Auburn. The Bayou Bengals are going to be on the road after their big upset win over the Miami Hurricanes in week one. And they have some elite defensive talent, LSU does. Cornerback Greedy Williams is potentially a top five overall pick. And they also have maybe one of the best linebackers in the country in Devin White. And Auburn's going to counter with quarterback Jared Stidham, who I think is actually a little bit of an underrated prospect right now, and I think he's going to be a pretty good professional quarterback next year. And at the end, I think Auburn's going to get it done on the strength of their defensive line, who features Derek Brown, Dontavious Russell, and Marlon Davidson, all uh, potentially pretty good pro prospects. Greedy Williams isn't fair. He's 6'3", he's 183 pounds, got great length, great speed. I mean, he's such a great prospect. He He's already my number one corner, and I, I, it's not going to be close. It's, I'm not going to change my mind on him. He's really good. He's gone up against a lot of uh, a couple of solid wide receivers in his career. He's looked really good. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Greedy Williams. I like him a lot. I love how fluid his hips are. He's, he gets in and out of his transition transitions pretty quickly and he's kind of a ball hawk in the sense that he always he's very good at tracking the football great player for sure uh next game that i'm going to be keying on is an sec west showdown chock full of nfl talent alabama at mississippi old miss has been uh recruiting above their pedigree which is probably the reason why they got hit with those sanctions and postseason ban perhaps paying recruits Wink, wink. But uh, nonetheless, offensive tackle Greg Little, very good player, maybe one of the best left tackles in the next draft class. He's going to be up against Raquan Davis, Alabama's very uh, exceptional five technique. They also have those, Ole Miss does, those two big-time wide receivers, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. They're going to be going up against Trayvon Diggs, Stephon's little brother and Savion Smith. So all four of those players are probably going to be early round picks sooner rather than later. I think Alabama is going to pull it off, 
rather comfortably, however, because I don't think the Rebels' defense can match up with Tua and those underclassmen wide receivers, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devonta Smith. Is Tua locked in to be the number one pick and not this year's draft, but the year after, if he comes out? I think he's going to be the best prospect, but, you know, long way to go there. But, yeah, he's a, he's a special player for sure. He's, he's phenomenal. It's so fun watching him because he's, for being only a, a true sophomore, he's so calm and collected. He's so, his football IQ is very high, you can tell. Great arm, great awareness of the situation. I love his pocket presence. He's got great footwork, really good mechanics as well. I mean, he might be one of the better quarterback prospects to come out in a long time. Um, reminds me a little bit of Russell Wilson, but a kind of a different player in that sense. I really like him a lot. Um, but I do want to mention DK Metcalf. I think DK Metcalf might be, by the end, when it's all said and done, he might be the number one wide receiver in this entire draft class. I mean, he kind of reminds me a little bit, not in terms of everything, but a little bit of kind of Cortland Sutton, where it's like he's got all the potential in the world because he's got the size, speed, athleticism, et cetera, and, and the body mass, whatever. But I think that he's really good. He's a really good route runner. He's very good at, at contested catches. I mean, he's, he's my number one receiver right now. I really like DK Metcalf. Absolutely. Another game to watch is going to be Ohio State at TCU. Ohio State redshirt sophomore quarterback Dwayne Haskins out of uh, D.C. He is playing at a Heisman caliber level so far this season. And Ohio State also has wide receiver slash H-back slash overall all-around playmaker Paris Campbell. He's another first-round talent. It'll be interesting to see what they can do against Gary Patterson's well-schooled defense. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, I expect the Buckeyes defensive line with Joey Bosa, Draymond Jones, and underclassman defensive end Chase Young to dominate the Horn Frogs offense. At the end of this season, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State overtakes Clemson's defensive line as the most talented group in the nation. Yeah, Ohio State talented group. This is the last game, I believe, that um, Urban Meyer is suspended for, so he'll be back after this week. This is a tough matchup against TCU. I, I definitely agree with you that I think Ohio State wins. A couple guys that I want to kind of throw out here and just mention to you and see what you think. What are you kind of thinking about Oklahoma's running back situation now that Rodney Anderson, who was projected to be one of the best running backs in the class, is now out for the year due to a knee injury? I think they'll be okay. They've been able to plug in – different running backs the last few years and I think that the scheme and and they do have some talented backups I think Oklahoma will be okay absolutely and what do you think about Arizona State's Nikhil Henry Nikhil Harry he's a good player he could give some of these other receivers a run for the top spot Metcalf as you mentioned and Brown uh, he's a playmaker I mean how about Herm Edwards man everyone was like bashing uh, them for the hire but 2-0, coming off a nice upset win against Michigan State. That de- that team looked pretty good. That defense looks pretty good. Linebackers coach Antonio Pierce, uh, f- former NFL player. So I-, I like this Arizona State team. I do as well. It's been impressive to see Herm jump out of the gate so quickly. Usually it takes a little time to acclimate, especially because he was out of coaching for so long. And then the last guy I want to mention, a guy that I have seemingly I've fallen in love with. I, I can't believe that I haven't scouted him before. I mean, he hasn't really had too much production. That's why. But Texas A&M's Kendrick Rogers. I know that Texas A&M lost it, but it was a close game. Your, your boy Jimbo Fisher almost pulled off the upset. Didn't do it. Almost pulled it off against Clemson. But Kendrick Rogers looked really good at a, at a 
PFF graded him as like the highest player of the week for wide receivers, like really, really good. And what what are you thinking from him? I mean, because he he balled out against a really good second. Yeah, he's starting to come on. Six foot five, two hundred pounds. He's a pro prospect. A lot of good receivers. You know, it seems like college football every year. You know, there's five to ten. You know, exciting receivers entering the draft. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for us. This was our preview show. We kind of give you a recap of everything, kind of preview everything for the weekend. Definitely follow us on Twitter at Be More Beatdown. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Logan Levy. You can follow Vass on Twitter at Playmaker underscore FB. Uh, that's it. Let's hope, let's hope next time we're talking about a Ravens win against the Bengals. We're out. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.